Welcome to the world of digital sound. Hey there, good people of the internet. Welcome, welcome. This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton podcast story. Now, unfortunately, guys, you're only going to get a, a audio track on this one because uh, at the moment I just don't feel like showing my face on camera. Um, <laughs> simple as that, really. Easy, isn't it? Um, I'm not particularly feeling it today in looks wise i feel like i'm getting old i feel like i'm getting decrepit um i've got bags under my eyes my face is pockmarked with bloody bites from fucking insect thingy little bastards why do wasps ex exist somebody tell me somebody explain to me in the comments why the fuck do wasps exist i mean bees i can understand wasps just little bastards you know, that's all they do is they, they run up to you for no reason and fucking sting you. Little bastards. Every opportunity I get, I kill wasps. Every opportunity. It's <laughs> oh, terrible, isn't it? I'm smoking a fag, sorry. Mm. So, haven't done one of these for, Christ, weeks. Weeks and weeks. Um, very good reason for that. And uh, those of you who deem themselves as a member of the faithful or um, have maybe listened to a number of these podcasts will understand that uh, I am uh, basically a type 1 diabetic 54 year old bipolar diagnosed fucking old man now and um, you know sometimes that takes its toll and people don't really get it you know people don't get it at all when you've got a when you've got a, a an illness and it is an illness and it's a terminal illness um as they told me when i was first diagnosed and i've only been diagnosed now 20 years uh so i haven't had it from birth or anything it just kind of crept up on me i didn't even know anybody that was diabetic and then all of a sudden it was me um it's the first thing you think about every morning it wakes you up in the middle of the night it's what occupies your mind throughout the day it's the last thing you think about at night it is so fucking difficult to live with you know and people just don't get it and like a, a friend of mine uh once told me and i think he did steal this but he said to be honest if you want sympathy get a disease people can see because nobody gives a fuck about diabetes you know and I don't know. In a, in a lot of ways, I'd I'd much prefer it was something visual. It was something physical, you know. Um, I w I would quite honestly rather lose an arm than be diabetic, because that you can live with. That you can carry on living your life. But it doesn't occupy everything you do. What you drink. What you eat. When you drink. When you eat. You know. I'm I'm a car salesman. I sit there with a the customer. If they're deciding that they're going to spend three, four hours talking to me about cars, and I find myself getting a bit low after the first hour, it's really difficult to break that sales cycle, go off and get something to eat. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. I don't know. Life is sent to try us, and that, for me, is my fucking punishment for my past. I think it's karma that I'm diabetic and bipolar. I think it's karma so reason why i haven't done one of these for a while let me just take a drink i'm like 
Mm. Ah, that's nice. Um, I, I've been, um, <clears throat> to say I've been a little bit down would possibly be an understatement. Uh, I, I've not really been myself for a while and that's taken its toll. I went on holiday. I went, my wife and I had a private villa in Kefalonia. It was gorgeous. The place was gorgeous. I spent the vast majority of the time um, trying to distract my mind. I, I spent the majority of the time in the villa with the air conditioning on, uh, watching old episodes of whatever on the laptop. You know, it was it was that sort of thing. I, I think I, I possibly I wasted the two weeks that we went away. I mean, we, we enjoyed it. Um, my wife enjoyed it because she loved sitting by the pool. But for the mass, vast majority of the time, I was just sat inside. Um, and that, that's not right and it's not healthy and it's not fair. Uh, it's not fair on those around you. But illness is never fair on those around you. It just isn't. Whether it's physical or mental, it's just never fair. So um, that's where I've been the past few weeks. A uh, bit of a dark place. And um, again, for, for the faithful uh, who will already know, I occasionally suffer from these um, night terrors. Uh, and they, they've become, over the past month or so, pretty frequent, um, pretty difficult. And that's where this story comes from. Uh, certain things just enter your head. And when you go to bed at night, you, you close your eyes and you see it. You open your eyes and you see it. Uh, and the thoughts run round. And you think about the things you could have done differently. Or some, sometimes it's, it's real things. And sometimes... It's exaggerated things with me. A lot of these stories have come from the demons that invade my fucking head in the middle of the night. A lot of these. I have a past. But it was a long, long time ago. I don't understand why these things just continually enter my head. Now, I, I understand that I've got this diabetic thing going on and I've got a serotonin imbalance um, and that causes all sorts of problems in your head. It, it just does. Um, over the past year, I've, I've had the stupidest fucking problem that you can ever imagine. <laughs> Want to hear about it? Okay. Uh, I will get to the story, by the way. Um... I lose my memory. Now, I've, I've talked about this a little bit in the past. It is the most bizarre thing. I, I went to America a couple of times. The second time I went to America, I was out there for a month or so. I have no memory of my time in America. America. 
the second time. I remember the first time, but the second time, I have absolutely no memory. It's just gone. It's just gone. Um, it's big things like that. It's little things like somebody would show me um, how to do a proposal on the system for finance at work. Following day, I've totally forgot it completely. And I'm trying to hide that from my colleagues and it's causing me stress. I don't think, I don't think anybody around me appreciates the level of stress that that's causing me. They'll talk about things. Um, family will talk about things. Memories will pop up on Facebook uh, of things from two years ago, five years ago, three years ago. And I, I, I look at them and think, I have absolutely no memory of that. Absolutely none. Now, looking at the internet, um, there is a, a thing called selective amnesia. And um, I haven't discussed it with doctors. I, had, I mean, I'm so sick of doctors, you wouldn't fucking believe it. And I'm so sick of walking into a doctor's office and them treating me like I'm making it all up. You know, so to go in with something like this, I mean, I'll give you an example of that. I, I suffered with massive headaches and it was a very specific headache. This was a couple of years ago and it, it was in one place. And whenever one of these headaches would strike, bang, it'd be there. Uh, really sharp, really fucking hit me. And I would get a nosebleed. And I, I would just be sitting there talking to somebody. All of a sudden, ah, fuck, what was that? Bang. And my nose would bleed profusely. I went to a doctor about that and said, oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm getting these headaches, getting a nosebleed. Do you know what she told me? She said, um, it's probably picking your nose that's causing it. Right, okay. <laughs> Let's just get our heads around that one. So my brain has this huge fucking pain in my temple. My nose just explodes. But that's me sticking a finger up my nose, is it? Dumb fucking bitch. As a doctor, she should have been struck off. She was fucking awful. Absolutely awful. And it puts you off. You meet doctors like that and it puts you off. I've had three or four times now when, especially when, when I was diagnosed as uh, bipolar, prior to that, um, the way to get into any form of treatment is you have to see a GP. So I went to see my GP, first time this was, and the GP basically said, it's your imagination. There's nothing wrong. It's just, you know, like everybody, you're having a few bad thoughts. Okie kokey. So I walked away thinking, this guy thinks I'm making it all up. Brilliant. A few months later, I went back to another GP, far better at his job than that twat, and he put me in touch with uh, a specialist unit locally. They talked to me. Uh, I went through psychiatry, psychology, 
um, health, nutrition. I went through the whole shebang. And the end result of that was a very, very good, very good doctor sitting me down and saying, I can put a label on this now. I know what you, you've got. And I said, well, for fuck's sake, tell me. And he said, you are, without a doubt, bipolar. On the scale of one to 10, he said, you're an eight. He said, you are bipolar. And I'm gonna put you on these pills and everything will be wonderful. Well, those pills made me fucking zombied every day, every night. Yeah, I, I, I was leveled out. But I couldn't, I couldn't be sad. I couldn't be happy. I was just somewhere in the middle of those two. And there was, there was nothing. I mean, I, I could sit there and watch um, a horror movie and not get scared. Um, a really bad one and not get scared. I could, I could watch the funniest comedian in the world, Jimmy Carr, and uh, it wouldn't make me laugh. And it was ridiculous. So fortunately, I read Stephen Fry's book. Now, Stephen Fry's bipolar. And Stephen Fry quit the pills because he had the same experience. And I quit the pills. And yeah, on occasions, it's difficult. And the lows are very low. The highs are few and far between. I get more lows than I do highs. But I'd rather be this than the zombie and that's why basically I, I don't like going into a GP I, I don't want to go in and say I'm suffering from memory loss short term, long term <clears throat> something in the middle I don't know what the fuck it is but I'm, I'm suffering with this, whatever it is so the moral of this one is this there's a lot you, if you are not diabetic, and I'm not talking type 2, I'm talking type 1. If you are not a type 1 diabetic, then you have no fucking idea what is going on with your mate or your relative or your brother or your sister who has got it. Because some days, some days, it just makes you want to fucking die. Easy as that. The poisoning actually is the worst one. When you get particularly high, and a couple of occasions I've I've been ridiculously high. I've been into a McDonald's, they've given me the wrong Coke. Something as easy as that. And I've found myself in the 30s, um, mid-30s. And I just know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. I'll have a massive inject. I'll crash like a fucking bomb. I'll have to jack up again. It'll take me a day to sort that shit out. But your body feels like it's been poisoned. You actually feel like you've been poisoned. You feel like there are creatures crawling through your blood. Every, every fucking piece of your body. Blood feels like it's flowing, but it's... Oh, it's fucking horrible. And it's it's something to do with ketones, but I don't fucking understand it. And if I did understand it, I've forgotten. So, <laughs> how ridiculous is that? 
Oh dear. Hold on, another drink. Mm. So, where did this story come from? Okay. Went to bed one night. Uh, must have been about a week ago. And um, I went to sleep thinking about outer space, actually. I'm a big sci-fi fan. Um, and I was thinking, you know how men think. You know, you know. Uh, out of a dog and a bear, who'd win in a fight? You know, it's, it's stupid things. Um, and I was thinking about what would really happen if we had an alien invasion? If people actually landed on this planet, what would they make of us? What would they think? That we're all fucking nuts. That we're all um, consumed by some form of religious war. We're all affected by it. We're all affected by terrorism. And it's all down to religion. And, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about all this. And I'm thinking, what would they do? How would they help? And I fell asleep. So, two o'clock in the morning, I woke up. I'm going to light a fag on. Mm. Smoky. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I could see, just for a few seconds, the interior of a hotel. And it looked really familiar. And I couldn't remember what I'd been dreaming about. But just for a few seconds, that picture of the inside of the hotel came to mind. And I just, I had to get up. I went downstairs, had a cigarette, uh, had a glass of water. 20 minutes later, I went back to bed. And I fell asleep. And obviously, the events that I'm about to tell you about came back. Two hours later, I woke up again. I'm soaking wet. I'm in an absolute cold sweat. I'm shaking. I feel so scared. So fucking scared. And not afraid to admit it. I, I got up, went to the bathroom, put my head in my hands and started crying. And it was all because of this. All because of this. So let me tell you the story. And hopefully, like all of these stories, it will act as a kind of exorcism and get the ghost of this out of my fucking head. And put it into the magic box that gets sealed and, and never gets thought about again. So let's go there. First, the disclaimer. 
So all parts, any of this podcast story may or may not be true. It is up to you, the listener, to decide whether or not you think any of it is. And leave your comments in the comment section on the YouTube video. Now, I know you might be listening to this on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, whatever. But uh, do go to the YouTube video if you want to make a comment, right? Mm. So, um, we're going back to the 80s. And it was the late 80s. <clears throat> And as I've said a million times doing these podcasts, things were very, very different then. If you haven't heard one of these podcasts before and you didn't know who I was or what I did back then, then you really want to go back and listen. Uh, because just very briefly, I, I was what we used to call a fag end gangster. There were gangsters in the city. And occasionally they needed grunt work doing. And that's where me and the lads came in. Most of our money was made by repoing cars. But if we needed to be a lookout on a robbery, if we needed to be four guys who look mean in a car, then that's who we'd be. And we'd get paid. We'd get paid by the family to do that good old days when the family ran the city not like today where rape and violence is rampant in my day rapists lasted all of about 10 minutes because seriously it just didn't happen and if it did somebody would lose their kneecaps or find themselves propping up some motorway service station somewhere so that's who we were now we we lived a life that was just fantastic i mean it, it was so brilliant we never really had relationships with girls we had girl friends friends with benefits i guess you call that these days sometimes with benefits sometimes not Depends how the night went. We were so free. And we were so confident. Nothing could ever touch us. So this particular night, we're doing the usual. It's a Friday night. We're in the pub. We're having a few beers. We're getting ready to go into town. And we're going to do a couple of clubs. We're going to do Bustlers for the lols then we're going to go to park lane at midnight and then we're going to finish the night at park lane and then we will all go back to my flat which is walking distance from town and everyone will crash at my place this is always the plan always nothing ever changed so we sat in the pub and one of the lower members of the family came in and uh, came and sat down with us. Now, whenever you, whenever one of these guys showed up, you paid them reverence. You, you showed them respect. You would never crack a joke at their expense. You would never. You you would never 
take the piss out of one of them. You just wouldn't. And this particular one, and he will remain nameless, because he's still around. I know that for a fact, because he was in the papers not so long back. Mm. He, um, he's a legitimate businessman now. Yeah. But he um, came and sat at the table and uh, he asked us, you know, are you guys up for some work? And probably seven, eight of us sat around the table and you never refused. <laughs> you just couldn't. You never refused. Yeah, of course we are. What do you need? Said, we need you to go to a hotel in town. Said, you need to be suited. You need to be told. You need to have your phones. Said, you need to be split. Two or three of you in the lobby. Couple of you in the restaurant. Couple of you in the bar. Couple of you walking the floors. He said, that's what we need. He said, okay, when? He said, tonight. Ah, fuck. No nightclub for me then. Okay, we'll do it. So, we left our beers. We left, left our crisps. And we got up, got in our cars. And some of the guys went back to their place. I went back to my place. A couple of the guys that used to keep their guns at my place, they came back with me. And then we dropped, we went back to their place so they can get their suits on. And we're suited and we're tied. Uh, now, at that time, uh, I had three or four holsters. Um, and I had this 9mm 6 Souser uh, that I got from the armourer. Uh, lovely gun, love that gun. Really, really smooth action to it, but it was only a nine mil. Um, but fuck, it was a good gun. Loved it. I uh, spent so much time cleaning that thing. <laughs> oh god, it was one of my favourites, absolute favourites of all time. But um, I had this thing, uh, and I had a shoulder holster, so I put my holster on. Um, I had a number of holsters. I had a rear belt holster, side holsters. Um, I had an ankle holster. But uh, in the, on this occasion, because I was wearing a suit, I put my shoulder holster on. And me and Gavin, we uh, went straight to the hotel and we decided that we'd be in the bar. So we ordered a couple of beers. We went and sat down at the... Uh, tiny little table with some comfy chairs and uh, we were just chatting away now that was the brief that was all we had we're just bodies we're just bodies we're probably there to frighten somebody was my thought um, and uh, we were probably there I think we probably arrived about 10 o'clock and Instantly, when these guys walked into the bar, who were obviously staying at the hotel, we knew that was the target. Four guys came waltzing through. 
they weren't suited. They were um, they were just dressed casually. One of them, one of them looked like brains. He he had a perfect haircut. He had glasses. He was probably about five six, five seven, slim mm. stature. But he looked like one of these ultra intelligent sort of people. And he was followed by two guys who I can only describe as the biggest fucking people that you would ever expect to see anywhere. The, these two guys had muscles on their muscles. It was bloody obvious that they, these two, were, they looked like fucking wrestlers, to be honest. You know when you see a wrestler and every part of their body is just absolutely fucking perfect. Perfect muscles, perfect neck muscles. And you, you can tell somebody that works out because they have these things. There's two muscles that go off from the neck to the shoulders. And it's quite difficult to get those to, to grow. But anybody that works out, any bodybuilder will know that whenever you, that's how you know a bodybuilder because they've got these two big fucking protruding muscles on their necks. Well, I turned to Gavin and I thought, you are fucking joking me. And I said to him, I hope we're not messing with that fucking pair of cunts. I do not want to get, <laughs> get myself involved anywhere near these two. And um, there was another guy. Now, the other guy wore sunglasses inside, uh, which is a bit weird, but okay. He uh, was in a polo shirt. He had a kind of jacket on. And instantly, we kind of assess the situation, you know. So we know that Brains isn't carrying because he's he looks like a wimp. Uh, muscles and his mate muscles too they're not carrying because they've just got t-shirts and jeans on there's nowhere they could hide it unless they've got an ankle piece on but the th fourth guy very very possibly he's carrying and we were looking out for the bulge we were looking out for the for the mark that showed that he he had a weapon on him couldn't see it these four guys go to the bar and they ordered four tomato juices and that's really unusual when you <laughs> when you're in a hotel you're having a night out you know you've got some lads with you you have a beer even if you're having a you know a meeting you'll have a beer no tomato juice and they sat at the table next to us and started talking about where they were going to eat. And the guy, glasses, he's got the poshest fucking accent ever. I, 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 I really don't know if I, I could be bothered really to, to eat here. I, do you have any decent restaurants in Coventry? I, I thought, fucking hell. 
you know, you could just tell that the guy had been to Oxford or fucking Cambridge. You could just tell. Or he was a civil servant or something like that. Well, I got a text and uh, the text came from the family member that had asked us to be there. And he's he just very simply said, hold and follow. So we knew what that meant. We stay where we are. We listen in. If they get up and go anywhere, we follow them. Easy as that. We were then joined in the bar by two of my mates who were, they'd been hanging around the restaurant and they sat on stools at the bar. And two more who had been at the front of the hotel came in and they got a table in the corner of the bar, ordered a couple of beers and uh, basically sat there. Well, we must have been there probably half an hour. And then I got another text. This time it was from one of the lads who was sat in the corner of the bar. And it just said, you've been clocked. Now we had our backs to these guys, me and Gavin. So we didn't really see what was going on. But apparently, uh, Mr. Sunglasses had scanned the room and realized that there was a lot of us there. He became agitated, uncomfortable. All that we could hear from these guys next to us was, That was it. That was all we could get. And to be honest, I started to get a little bit nervous. Um, we were the closest. Now, if it had been me in their position, my plan would have been this. Take out the two guys closest, which would be me and Gavin. Um... They had their tomato juice bottles on their table. Use the bottles, take out the two at the bar. Make your way to the door. Anyone blocks you, take them out too. You could take out, they could have taken out four of us really quickly, really quickly. Me and Gavin with no effort at all. And the two at the bar, they wouldn't have had time to react. So I'm sitting there thinking, this is what's going to happen. And I'm getting ready. And my hand is around just above my waist. And I'm just using the very tip of my finger and I'm touching my gun. And it was just reassurance. Well, these two guys get up. Now I was ready to text the family member and say, we've been clocked. 
And before I could do that, <clears throat> these guys got up. I, I, I reacted. I should have stayed calm. But I heard the chairs get pushed back and I, I was kind of shocked um, for that second, ready to spring into action. And the, it just confirmed to, to these guys that we were there for them. We um, stayed in our chairs And the next thing I know, there's a voice. These guys were behind us. And one of them, I think it was glasses, had leaned down and whispered in my ear, we know who you are. Jesus Christ. And uh, they walked out the bar. A couple of the lads followed. Um, and I sent the text. And uh, these guys got into the lift. Two of our guys got into the lift. The rest of us took the stairs. And the uh, phone went again. Beep, 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 beep. Text take them out and I was like are you fucking joking me you've you've sent the grunt workers in and now you want us to be fucking hitmen fuck that absolutely fuck that up your ass mate I am not gonna fucking kill somebody in a hotel that's got fucking CCTV all over it you are joking me I sent a text back saying negative. And then beep, 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 beep. Helps on the way. Right. So I figure our job now is to observe. And that's it. When the help arrives, we take our rightful positions at the fucking lookout post or where, wherever they're going to put us. And we get back to normal life. And let these guys who are professional at what they do, let them do their job. If they want to fucking hit these guys, they can hit them. We will supply all the backup. We will supply the cars. We'll do the driving. We'll do all the grunt work. But we're not getting involved. Well, a few minutes later, my phone went. Beep, 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 beep. Front of hotel. Get car ready. And that was it. Me and Gavin went down. Got to the front of the hotel. As I was going down, one of the other lads, I heard his phone go. Although I didn't know what the text was. Well, we went out to the car park. We got in my car. We pulled up outside, a bit of a distance, 
between us and the front door and we waited in the car with the engine running by this point I'd got my gun out and it was sitting on my lap and we must have been there 15 minutes the next thing we know the fire alarm went off in the hotel there was incredible amount of noise people started milling out of the front door and quite faintly quite faintly I heard gunshots and I'm sitting there thinking what the fuck this is so unfair we've still got we've still got guys inside these are my friends they would die for me I would die for them and I'm sitting out here in a fucking car and there's a gunfight going on this is so fucking unfair well we stayed in the car we followed instruction a lot of people everybody that was in the hotel must have been 500 people came out of that front door and uh, some of them went to a rally point some of them went over to the car park some of them went to uh, the side of the hotel it, it, it was just people everywhere and we were looking for the marks we were looking for these four guys but we didn't see them then we saw sunglasses come out the front door and he um, he made a beeline for the uh, one of the cars in the car park minute later beef eater bodybuilder and bodybuilder too they come out and they are flanking glasses now I'm, I'm at this point panicking because there has been gunfire and it looks like all four of these guys are fine so if anyone's been hit it's us it's our people and so I made a phone call and I said this is the situation do we stop them do we return fire and all I got was I'm having three conversations hold and the phone went dead <sighs> great I tried to uh, call one of our guys that was inside and the phone just rang and that was a really ominous sign meanwhile these guys their car starts up they go to drive out and beep 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 stop them and that was it I, I had no idea what to do it was a shock and awe situation these there's me and Gavin we've got two fucking beef eaters we've got um, fucking Mel Gibson 
lookalike who who's wearing sunglasses and is obviously fucking armed. And then we got brains. I mean, what what chance did me and Gavin stand against that? As they came to pull out, I stuck my foot down. And I told Gavin to hold on. And I rammed their car. Well, the airbags went off. Um, and it was a, it was a shock. It was a shock. My ears were ringing. Um, I got a face full of white powder. And so were Gavin. We got out of our cars. They got out of their car. And we started pointing guns at them. And then there was a shot. Not even sure we fired. I think it was one of the beef eaters. They've obviously they got tooled up when they went back to the room. I looked across and Gavin was hit in the chest. Um, I, I, I didn't even return fire. I, I froze. Completely froze. Next thing we know, there's um, four guys running off down the road. Um, I, I'm for a second stuck in the moment. I can't think. I can't move. And everything about me has just shut down. Couldn't hear anything. All I could see was four guys running towards the exit. And I'm, I'm still, at this point, pointing my gun in their direction. And then all of a sudden, I'm out of it. Holster my gun round the other side of the car, get to Gavin. He's breathing. He's got a hole in his chest. The blood is starting to come. Uh, I'm seeing the blood on the, uh, on the tarmac of the car park. Um, I'm thinking hopefully the bullet's gone straight through hasn't hit anything vital he's still breathing hasn't hit his heart so all I've got to do is stop the blood I um, took my jacket off I ripped a sleeve off my jacket and moved him slightly upwards put the um, rolled up sleeve at his back and laid him back down. I ripped the other sleeve off, put that at the front 
and I held pressure on it. He was conscious, but in immense shock. His his eyes kept rolling to the back of his head. Um, he wasn't speaking. He, he was just in utter, utter shock. And some people came over to us. And uh, people got phones out, started to call an ambulance. Somebody was calling the police. And then our boys came out, ran up to us, and there was some talk. One of them disappeared. A car pulled up with a screech of brakes, nearly ran over the fucking people that were trying to help us. Back door opened. Gavin got picked up, put in the back seat of the car. I dived into the car. Another car behind. And bang, we were out. Well, I still couldn't think at this point. I, I, it, it's never happened to me since. And it, it never happened again. I'd been in situations where somebody was shooting at me. I shot back. I'd been in situations after that where people were shooting at me and I shot back. I, it was the only time that I can remember that I ever froze. Ever. But I froze. Uh, even in the car, I they were working on Gavin in the back. I was in the passenger seat. I, I couldn't think. And the, the people were talking to me and I, I wasn't hearing what they were saying. I was trying to collect my thoughts, but it, they just wouldn't... They just wouldn't compute, you know? Um, my brain needed a reboot. It, it just... There was, there was nothing that was going on that I could understand. Why, why are we in the car? What, where are we going? What, what's happening? Um, the my mate who was driving the car was shouting at me to do something. I just wasn't hearing him. So he grabbed a phone, pushed a couple of numbers, and he had a conversation. And uh, we drove through the town, round the ring road, up into Fosal Road, top of Fosal Road, going like a bat out of fucking hell with a car behind us, with the rest of the boys in. And uh, we kind of ended up at, how to describe it, it was, um, it wasn't somewhere I knew. And that was unusual because I knew most of the places that the family used. It was, 
a fenced off piece of wasteland is the only way I can describe it. Yeah, you you go down a lane, uh, you turn left into a place where cars really shouldn't be going, and then through a set of gates, um, and it was just a fenced off bit of wasteland. We went through there, and there were two cars already there. Uh, the guys in those cars got out, uh, Gavin was moved from one car to another and he was gone and uh, we, we were just told go just go that's it it's over just go and we went back to my flat. When we got there, a few of the girls we were meant to be meeting that night, uh, they were in the flat. They didn't bother with the club. They just stayed at my place. Um, we we're drinking wine and there was some music playing and uh, two of them were dancing. Um, um, we walked in. Now I was the second person through the door and the girls just looked at me in absolute fucking horror and I didn't even realise I was absolutely covered in blood and in shock now what they did um, and I can't remember a great deal about it but they two of the girls took me into the bathroom took my clothes off, put me in the shower and uh, hosed me down. My clothes disappeared. Um, one of the lads had, had got my gun. And uh, I was in the shower for about 15 minutes. I got out, put a robe on. As I'm walking to the um, lounge, there was a lot of chatter going on. And one of the boys said, it's still a full mag. He didn't get a shot off. And it, and you know how that looks. You just know how that looks. One of my best friends in the world just got shot and I didn't return fire. Well, there was all this sort of, how are you feeling? Are you okay? And all this, and I, I was, yeah, yeah, I think so. I just can't, I don't know what happened. And one of the boys said, you froze. That's what happened. He said, I saw it. I saw the whole thing. I was on the first floor corridor, looking out the window over the car park. I saw everything that happened. He said, you fucking froze. And, uh, 
the, the feeling. I'm not sure if it was guilt, if I was still in shock. I don't know what it was. Um, I had a drink. Uh, I, I had a scotch. One of the girls had got it for me. And uh, the girls decided the best thing for me at that point was sleep. So I went to bed. I woke up in the morning to an empty flat. My friends had gone home. The girls had also gone home. It was probably six in the morning. I'd, I'd had a couple of hours sleep. And I got up and got dressed. Sat in the lounge. And I thought, who can I call to find out about Gavin? Who can I call? Well, I sent... Um, three texts one to the family member uh, one to a mate who was there and another one to one of the family's enforcers who I knew because I recognised him in the, in the wasteland um, five minutes went by ten minutes went by it was too early it's too early nobody's going to be answering this and then beep, 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 beep. I looked at it. And it was... To say it was the best news I'd, I'd had. Would be a gross understatement. And it was the enforcer and he just said with him now he's going to be fine. I, I burst out crying. And I must have cried the tears of a fucking river. And um, I just, I just released every emotion, every single one. I uh, went to the kitchen and uh, made a coffee and then decided I didn't want a coffee, I needed a drink. So I had a scotch. Had a couple of fags and just sat there. Everything about that night kept going through my head. Everything. Um, and I, I was going through the through the motions of the practicalities of it because this is what you do. Um, fortunately, 
I was in a ringed car, the one that I crashed. Uh, so that's not traceable. I was wearing gloves. There are no prints. Um, the CCTV, I would imagine, standard practice would be for the boys to take care of that. So I would imagine somebody's dealt with that. Um, witnesses, yeah, they're in a hotel. They're not from around here. Uh, a lot of them aren't gonna talk. Um, those that do will give vague descriptions of people in suits. I should be clear. And I was thinking it through, thinking the whole thing through. And then crazy thoughts started coming into my head. Things like, um, Jesus, did, did I try and fire? D did my gun jam? Fucking hell, did my gun jam? So I went into my safe, um, got my gun, checked it over. No. Nah. Can't use that as an excuse. I heard a key in the lock. Must have been nine o'clock by this point. And uh, a couple of the boys came in. And one of their girlfriends who'd been there the night before. And they came in, asked me how I was. And I said, have you heard about Gavin? And they said, yeah, yeah, we know. I said, do you know where he is? They said, well, no, but he's not in Coventry. Hmm. Some private hospital somewhere. Somebody's getting paid off. So the bullet went straight through. Um, didn't hit anything vital. He's going to be scarred. They don't know about his... Uh, he's got some possibility of damage to his um, uh, left arm I don't really understand it he got shot in the fucking chest I don't know why his left arm be in a bad way I don't know we sat down with the boys and uh, everyone was quiet a couple of more people turned up about half past nine um they've made some more coffee we're all sat around not talking about it not talking to each other and I, I said um you want to know what happened and that they went well yeah and i said i can't tell you because i froze And one of the boys had, um, had said, hold on a minute. You, you don't fucking freeze. And he started talking about an incident that had happened a month before where somebody started shooting at us. And I returned two mags worth of fucking bullets in seconds. My changeover was flawless um, 
and I, I'd done it to give him cover fire so that he could get to a safe place. He said, Ken, you, you don't freeze. I've seen it. You don't fucking freeze. And I said, oh, I can't tell you what happened. I just can't. But I froze. It's a... Um, I tried to explain it to the boys. Nobody really got it. But they were saying very graciously, like, the main thing is... He's going to be okay. And then there was a lot of talk about, well, the family shouldn't have put us in that fucking situation in the first place. We didn't even know what it was about. But then we never did. It wasn't our job. Our job was to guard doors. Our job was to watch out. It wasn't, it wasn't that. Half past 10, quarter to 11, the guy that had employed us to do the job started knocking at my door and he came in and he said, last night was a clusterfuck. He said it wasn't planned properly. He said because there was no time, we didn't have the right people in the right place. He said, but we salvaged it. And we all kind of looked at him and thought, what? He said, the the four guys, he said, we got them on the A45 heading towards the motorway. He said, they were involved in a car accident. He said, none of them survived. Okay. In other words, you had somebody ram them off the road and then killed them if they were still alive at the end of it. Fair enough. He said, Gavin's going to be okay. And he looked at me and he said, you? I don't know about you anymore. He said, I thought I did said but now I just don't know he put an envelope on the table which was full of money and he left a few days later um, I was sitting in my flat and uh, still not in a great place and the phone rang. Pick the phone up. It's Gavin. And I just, the first thing I said to him was, I am so sorry. He said, well, you didn't fucking shoot me. I said, no, but I, you know what I mean. And he asked me if I was okay. As if I was the victim. I said, never fucking mind me. How are you? I said, I'm okay. I said, I'm, I'm all right. He said, and I've got some cool fucking battle scars, which will go down great with the chicks. 
and he was just making light of it and making jokes about it. I'd, it was the most traumatic experience. And he's making jokes. A couple of weeks later, um, he was back with us um, and drinking with us again. His, um, he was bandaged up to the hilt, but uh, he'd had some internal bleeding and a couple of other problems, but uh, he was okay. He was going to recover. He was going to make a full recovery. And, It is really hard to explain what happened the other night when I woke up. I was in that moment. I was in the moment where I was in the hotel. We were in the corridor. Their door was 10 yards away there was enough of us there we were all told and we were told to take them out and had I have acted at that point Gavin wouldn't have been shot it was a clear eight, nine months before the family gave us any more work. Gave me any more work. And I had to kind of work up to it all. It was like having to prove myself all over again. The first job they gave me after the incident was a farm and uh, there was a guy staying there rented a cottage and uh, he came out all guns blazing um, and everyone that was there was saying that my actions were impeccable I, I return fire calmly, collectively. Um, I'm pretty sure I hit him. I'm not sure if... I don't think I got the fatal shot. But... Um, I... I dropped a stack of fucking brass that day. And I was able to prove myself again. And from there, we just went back to normal. It all just went back to normal. But I wonder, I wonder whether people that I was with thought they could trust me again. I tried to earn their trust, but there was always that doubt, I think, in their minds that if it all came on top, if it all went fucking sideways, how would Ken react?
And that's what it was all about a couple of nights ago. Stupidest thing. Maybe a minute, maybe two minutes. Uh, changed me for years. I, I doubted myself. And self-doubt is a horrible thing. It's horrible. But the fact is, if... Um, looking back on it, if, if you are... You, the listener, if you are ever in that situation, and whether it's... And you hear about this all the time. You know, somebody's had a car accident. Uh, they need help. And the, you are frozen in time. You can't move. You hear about it all the time. And it's a natural thing. And, and what you have to do, and it's never easy, you have to learn to forgive your mistakes. I didn't. I let it burn into me for years. And I, I should have moved on. But I let it fester. And the other night just proved that. I've had that dream about the hotel five or six times over the past few years. It's one of the worst ones. Because I, I feel the fear that I had that night. And it's fucking horrible. You have to learn to forgive yourself. And Gavin forgave me. And I was really grateful for that. Great guy. Okay, well, I, I hope you've enjoyed this one, guys. This, um, this has been uh, an exorcism. Uh, of a sorts trying to get that out of my head um, it, as you can probably tell it's been a difficult one to tell it's been a difficult one to remember and to be quite honest I never want to think about this ever again as long as I fucking live Comments in the comments section, guys. And as ever, thank you very much for listening. And as ever, I will see you on the dark side. Take care of yourselves. Welcome to the world of digital sound. Sister.